<laughs> Good morning, church. It's interesting because this is the reality, right? This is the reality. If the claims of the Bible are fake, right? If the, if the claims of Christ being the Messiah are fake, then, then let's just go home. <laughs> let's just go home. Let's just live however we want and do what we want to do. And, you know pursue the desires of our flesh and just have a grand old time in the world. But if the Bible is true, if, if what the scripture says is complete, lacking nothing, then, then that changes our whole view of Jesus as the Messiah and how we actually see ourselves and how we see other people. Amen? So yesterday, um, my son had a game. It was an early game. It was a, you know, 9, 9, 9.30 or whatever. It was somewhere on the east side. And um, the night before, Friday night, Veronica went to Walmart to get some things. And there just so happened that I guess she where she parked, there was like a plastic bag. And somehow the plastic bag kind of sucked and stuck to the bottom of the car. And I don't know if you ever had that before, that burning smell, that horrible smell. And so we had this plastic bag burning uh, last night, and I went out to, or the other night, and I went out to help them, and I could smell it. And I was like, nothing, no no, uh, light came on on the dash, so I don't think it at all is something to do with, you know, a hose or something under the hood. I was like, it smells like a plastic bag. So anyways, we're... um, we're driving to Kalos's game, and uh, we got we got some donuts on the way. We stopped not at Christie's, the other one right there by um, what is that? Uh, whatever, uh, whatever the tire shop right by across the street from Black Bear. So we're over there, and then Veronica called Precision Auto Tune, and it's right up the street, right there on Main Street. And dude said, "All right, if you bring the car right now, I can hoist it up, and I can see what's going on. I can help you guys out." So we get over there, and you know, I, I when I had another car before this one that we we own i would take it all the time over there to get service so i kind of knew the dude at the counter we had you know a semi you know whatever relationship he was cool with me and i was cool with him and the first thing i noticed i walk in and it had this big old like it was kind of like that like a canvas and it had i think it was matthew i don't know what what i can't remember what scripture but it was just a big old thing and had scripture on it and I had known the owner to be a believer, and I seen the guy that I always see at the at the counter. I'm like, "What's up, man?" I said, "I haven't seen you in a long time." He's all tripping. He's like, "Man, man, your beard look crazy, bro." I said, "Yeah, it's been a long time, bro." <laughs> and uh, anyways, I said, "Man, is your is your, the owner a Christian?" I said, "Cause I see scripture, you know, hanging up there." And he's all, "Oh, man, to tell you the truth, um, you know, Jerry, he he did us dirty, and um, and and he left, and he sold it. There's new owners." He said, uh, some Brazilian guy, and he goes to the church. I think he goes to the Catholic church right there on, on um, Eric, you probably know. It's right there off of King, the big one by um, by, uh, by by Story, the Story Recycling Center. You know, the big old cathedral or whatever. He said, he goes to that one. I said, shoot, praise God. I said, the fact that he got scripture up, that's what's up. And uh, so anyways, whatever, we small talk for a little bit. They end up taking the car back, and then I just hear this loud noise, and I guess they were burning off as much of the little the the the, the, the plastic bag as they could. And um, to make a long story short, 
we're on our way out, and I'm like, I told my wife, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a witness to this dude. I'm a, I'm a, um, well, she told me actually. She said, why don't, why don't you see if, if him and, and the guys want these donuts that we bought? I said, that's cool. I said, I got a flyer in the car. I'm gonna invite him to church. And so I gave him the donuts. He was super appreciative. He's like, oh, it's cool. It's cool. Thank you. And then I, I told him, hey, you know, I, I pastor a small church right here, whatever, Mill Peters, blah, blah. And he said, uh, it, it was cool because it opened up the opportunity. He hit me up and he said, <laughs> he said, when did, when did you turn your life around, bro? I said, well, Lord willing, I'll be 45 tomorrow. I said, when I was 31. I said, that's when it, and, and it gave the opportunity. I won't, I'll spare you all the details, but it gave me the opportunity to give a quick and dirty of my testimony. And this man was receptive of it. He said, I'll, I'll tell my wife about it. I said, yeah, for sure, bro. Tell your wife about it. I said, you're more than welcome. Come down whenever. But I share all that because, and then his game ended up, <laughs> we're there and it's like nine something. And then all of a sudden we get a, we get a message on game changers and the coach said the game's canceled. <laughs> Mind you, I was I was trying to take my mom to get her labs done at seven something in the morning, but I told her the night before the game's on because the coach said the game's on. And, and I'm not smashing on the coach, but it just is what it is. Probably people got to the field, they realized it was too muddy to play baseball. But I'm saying there's no coincidences in life. That plastic bag was there for the sole purpose of, of us going over there so that man could get witness to about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it was about. And we talked about this last week, that we're, we are, obviously, it's not a work-based thing. But I will say this, if there are no goals, if you have no personal goals in your relationship with the Lord, you're liable to just be super lazy or just do anything or do nothing at all. And um, the Lord had laid this on my heart a couple of days ago, so I'm going to just share it for the sake of sharing it. So we're in October, right? This is the start of October. We got what? October, uh, October, November, December. Three months left in this year. This is, a, this is a goal for the church, for this church here at Resilient Life. You take it how you want. Last Sunday was, was a blessing. Uh, praise God for what, you know, the idea he put on Mark's heart, you know, open up, you know what I mean, and, and just kind of just be out there and hang out, man, and, and see, you know, if people are, are willing to engage and interact. But this is a goal for the church. We've got three months left in this year. Every person here, I challenge you. I challenge you in, 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 in being leading by the Holy Spirit. From now to 2024, invite one person a month to church. And pray for all those people to get saved. And not no, not no little you know, winky dink prayer. Like, like put your hard into it like you desire to see these people saved man you want to see them come to christ not so you can be like oh well look what i did no because so you can say look what my god did so that that's that's a that's a goal and that's a challenge for me included i'll double it up i i, I always tell regina come i said i seen her she was eating early i said come right now i said come sit down and take a seat I would say I'm kind of bummed out that I don't see none of the people that we were chopping up with here last week. But you know what? I don't preach to empty seats. The Lord will bring them. The Lord will take them wherever they need to go. But, that, but, but I want to encourage you with that. So be on the radar. Be on the lookout. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Invite three people. I mean, you could do that. You could, you could invite three people a week. Some people that are, you know what I mean, that, that got a mouthpiece that can talk. You know, some of us that are not as, God bless you, not as demonstrative. I get it. We're all at different places. Maybe you're super quiet. You don't like talking to nobody. That's a challenge for you. <laughs> Three people. Well, that's one person a month, man. 
You could pray and fast for three weeks and then get your, the, the courage up to just talk to one person. Do it. All right, do it. Not because I said so, but because you seek the Holy Spirit and you, it's confirmed in, in your spirit and your heart that what I'm telling you is the truth to do. I want to also encourage you, church, with how Yahweh sees you, how he looks at you. And this is a side note, but I'll share it for the sake that I believe it's important. And I've come to understand this revelation in my own life. But it's important to understand God's personal name. And Yahweh is his personal name. If you go back and if you look at the first early Hebrew transcripts of the Bible, God was introduced by his personal name. It wasn't until the Holy Scriptures were translated into English that we see God's personal name substituted with the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Lord. Whenever you see that in your in your translations, that means that's God's covenant name or his personal name. Excuse me. More of like a title, like president, like the president of the United States than his actual name. You see, church, this is the thing, though. I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm not trying to split hairs. I'm truly not. You can refer to God as your Lord. It's no big deal. But I'm just saying it's amazing what God will reveal to you about himself when you begin to seek him and you begin to dig and you begin to, you know, seek out. Okay, well, what, what about this? How, how do I, you know, so because I know that some people have asked, someone has asked me before, well, what happened to the people before Christ was on the scene? What happened to them when they died? You got to seek that out and find it. They went to Abraham's bosom. They went to paradise. <laughs> but we won't know unless we dig and we search and we seek. Remember, uh, John 4, 8, or I'm sorry, James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. When you draw near to God, when you have a desire in your being, in your innermost being to want to know God, to want to understand who he is, to want to understand what is my place in him, then you're going to seek him out and he's going to start to reveal things to you. Anyways, this is what I want to encourage you with. That's just a side note. So, you know, you can you can pray to Father God as Yahweh. That's his personal name. But this is where it all comes into play. And so you're not just hearing my opinion because it's not my opinion. It's scriptural. You guys know that God had commanded Aaron and his sons to speak this blessing over Israel. It's called the Aaronic blessing. Some people call it the benediction. Again, I'm not splitting hairs. It just, it's, it's something that God instituted for the people of Israel. But we know now because of Jesus Christ that Jew and Gentile alike are the actual spiritual Israel. And so this blessing applies to you if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. Or you could say, Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance. Lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. I love what Rabbi Schneider says. He says, Shalom, Shalom. That's infinite, eternal peace when you say Shalom twice in Hebrew. The whole point is this. This is how God sees you. He, 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 he says he blesses you and keeps you. Who sustains you and gives you breath all day? God. He's the one that gives you the ability to wake up. And so that's how he looks at you. He said, it says the Lord make his face shine upon you. If anything we want, that's what we want. We want God's face to shine upon us. We want the blessing of the Lord just to be in his presence. Remember, the veil is torn. 
You can go into the holy of holies no more. You don't need a priest. You don't need me to intercede for you. The Holy Spirit intercedes on your behalf. It says, the Lord allow his grace to be upon you. That's like a that's like a king. That's like a king who's 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 mighty and noble and royal, but he, he he's predisposed to stoop down to your level and show favor upon you, even though you're you're uh, you're not on his level. But he just loves you like that. Remember, you're created in God's moral image in order that you and I can have fellowship, have unhindered relationship with him. So that's how he sees you. He wants to give you grace. And he lifts up his countenance upon you and gives you his peace. His peace that passes all understanding. Church, if that's not something to get up every day for, I don't know what is. He who has an ear or she who has an ear as well, let y'all hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Amen? All right. We're, uh, we're, we're delving into uh, the second part of, of this message. It's entitled... Evil under the sun, part two. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, uh, verses four through eight in chapter four of the book of Ecclesiastes. So uh, when you get there, whether you got a paperback Bible, you got your phone, you could use the screen behind me. Um, if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. I'll read our text this morning. I'll pray and then uh, we'll get into the word. All right. So it says. Then I saw all the toil and all the skill in work that comes from man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity and a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either sun or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This is also vanity in an unhappy business. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you, you, you speak, that you're uh, dwelling amongst us, that you give us the Holy Spirit, you've imparted him to us and so we just ask that you would bless this time would you give us the awareness would you help us to discipline ourselves to subject our will to your authority may you give us a fresh anointing that we would have clear revelation of who you are and it's all upon the authority of you and your word it has nothing to do with a man a woman a person it has nothing to do with any of that it has to do with you have the authority and you will speak your word never returns void so help us to hear and help us to apply what we hear today to our very own lives in Jesus Christ's name we pray amen all right so last week we started chapter 4 and we looked at the great difficulty that Solomon had with those People who oppress the poor. I mean, he was stricken by this. It broke his heart. It was something that he, he just had a hard time dealing with. It was very depressing for him to see no one standing up for the rights of those being oppressed. Truly, nothing is new under the sun as oppression has gone on from the beginning of human humanity's existence. It's, it's happened. There's, there's always been some kind of oppression going on. We talked about that. Um, 
We then looked at no matter how sincere people's attempts are to rid the world of oppression, we will always fail unless we have surrendered all rule and authority to Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's how it gets eradicated. That's how it gets eradicated in your heart, in my heart. We no longer be, be, uh, we're no longer oppressive people, but we're those who will look to bless others and to lift people up instead of to, to deter people and, and hold them down. Again, we understood that this is because at the root, oppression at its core is satanic. Its origins are in the realm of spiritual darkness, so it can only be vanquished by a spiritual means greater than itself, which is the unchanging light of God the Father. That, that's, that's why you can see people marching and trying to do, have all kind of organizations. And, you know, it's fine. You know, even some Christians participate in that. You know, I, what I would say to that, again, I'm not splitting hairs, but I will say this. You better be prayed up because running around the city, marching around ain't going to do nothing <laughs> if you ain't prayed up. Unless the Lord tells you to march around like Jericho, <laughs> you're wasting your time, man. You're better off on your knees in your prayer closet, praying that the Lord do a good work in and through you and that you get out there and actually you know, engage with people. We talked about that last week. Today we will shift gears and look at envy and what is envy. We'll, we'll look at laziness. What is laziness and, and the downfall of those who live only for material wealth in this life. We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. Hard work and success are good. They're good things. They're, they're good things to aspire to do. But they're not to be envied. They're not to be envied. We, we have to first be clear of what the Bible has to say about wealth. I say that because sometimes some people believe that wealth, it's bad. It's a sin to be rich. It's a, it's a sin to have material wealth. You know, again, that it's actually, that it's, some people believe it's actually a sin. Oh, you, you can't have wealth. You can't, be, you can't have monetary gain because... You know, you're, 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 you're of the devil if you're... <laughs> no, it's not true. They usually misquote 1 Timothy chapter 16, verse 10, right? We, we, many of us know this verse. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Instead, some of these people will say, money's the root of all evil. No, money is just an inanimate object. If it was bricks, it would have been bricks. If it was cauliflower, it would have been cauliflower. People be stocking up cauliflower, have a bunch of rotten cauliflower reeking, smelling like nasty, I don't want to say. <laughs> have a bunch of that going on, you know. But money's not evil. You see, the Lord loves to bless his children with every, his children with every kind of good gift. Monetary blessings are clearly given. We see it all throughout Scripture. I'll give a few. Abraham, Job, Solomon, just to name a few. But you see, blessings of material wealth are never primary. Just never primary. It's not the main goal. It's not the main thing that the Lord is after. You see, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be the most honest, hardest working people out there. Because Christ is our standard. Jesus himself. We as Christians 
need to have strong character of integrity that will honor the Lord and bless others. We are at work in whatever we do. We are to do it with an excellency about ourselves as godly. I don't care if you're, you know, some people don't want to be called a janitor. They want to be called a custodian. That's fine. You better be the most excellent custodian you could be. Do it hard. Do it good. If you're a stay-at-home mom, man, you better raise those children to the best of your God-given ability. Anyone who says a stay-at-home mom is not a real job, they don't know a real family. That's the heart, man. It, it ain't nothing to go make some money. It's a whole other thing to manage a household. That ain't no joke. That job never ends. I had to do, I had to do it when my wife was still working when I was on Zoom and my son was on Zoom, man. I was horrible. I was so stressed out. Every time I was on my job and I had my, the microphone muted, it's because I was yelling at somebody, get off the couch, get out the fridge, stop hitting each other, man. It was horrible. I was so stressed. I hated that time. I hated that time in the pandemic. It's not fun. You see, we shouldn't be the ones as Christians cutting corners on the job, showing up late to the job site and clocking out early. There needs to be a solid work ethic about us that is representing the holiness of God himself. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, man, do it to the best of your ability. When I'm out here sweeping or whatever, I'm sweeping hard. <laughs> when I'm setting up, you know, man, I got my worship music on, man, I'm getting down. I'm not trudging. I'm not like, oh, bro, I got to be here. I'm like so excited. I'm like, I'm like, I'm so blessed. I'm like, I get to preach on my birthday. What in the world? You know what I mean? I'm to the point. I don't even care about all that stuff. I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm grateful that I have another day of life. I want to spend time with my family, see my kids, see my wife. I love seeing my kids grow. I love having a good relationship, a thriving relationship with my wife. You know, we don't hate each other that we love each other. You know, she was helping me out earlier, man. I was stressed out, man. Computer wasn't, I didn't charge a computer. Computer wasn't working. I was like, I can't do it like this. I got to be like this. I can't, I can't have Zoom on the iPad. She's like, you can adapt. Oh, stressed out, man. I'm losing my mind for a minute. She's like, I, was like, I need to go get something to eat. She said, yeah, go get something to eat. Because you're not nice when you're hungry. I'm not nice. I'm a very mean person when I don't have food in my system, unless I'm fasting for the Lord. Even then. Oh, snap. <laughs> but uh, again, this whole thing of whatever we do, do all to the glory of God and be, be, do it in excellence. We we're just talking about this in prayer. Remember Christ, he, he was a carpenter by trade and I'm sure he was a, was a hard worker. And it's no, it's no knock at people that, you know, do faxes and, and make copies, but he wasn't folding papers, man. He had a hammer in one hand and a chisel in the other and he was going to work. He rolled up his sleeves, man. You know what I mean? He got dirty. He, he was a real man. He wasn't here just doing a wimpy job. I'm not talking about a paper cutting. I'm hurt. No, man. He, he got in it. And he did it to the best of his ability as an example for us to humble himself, to work as a carpenter. I know people that do that, that, those kind of, that, that kind of trade. And it is not easy work. It is not for the faint of heart. You got to work hard for every dollar you make. And yes, they make good money, but they bust their behinds. 
You know, they, they work long hours and it, it, it's physically demanding. And if you're not on if you're not on point, you might electrocute yourself. You might get someone else on your job site killed because you're not paying attention. So so Christ was a good, hard worker. And, and, and again, Yahweh, Father God, will reward hard work. Psalm chapter 128 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want to be that person that's blessed? You get to eat of the fruit of your labor from your hands and it'll be well with you as long as you're doing it unto the Lord and you have a holy fear of God and you walk in his ways you can't lose you're victorious you're going from glory to glory all the days of your life even through the difficult circumstances we talk about this every week because the biblical principles do not change but this is the kicker you and I should never envy the success of another person there's many times that that I'm tempted to Envy the success of another part of the body. And be like, well, man, why are we still renting? Why ain't the chairs filled, man? I'm preaching my guts out every week. What's the deal? Then the Lord's like, don't go feeling sorry for yourself. Because it ain't about you. If you put God first in all your dealings. He will place you exactly where he wants you at every specific moment of your life. It's not my responsibility to grow this church. My responsibility is to make sure, number one, that I'm squeaky clean in my personal dealings with everyone. That my relationship with the Lord is right so that I don't disqualify myself from the position of pastor of this church. First and foremost, as a believer, not that I could lose my salvation, but you, you can get things revoked because your character's not right. I'll tell you straight up, and I'm not bragging. It is what it is. The integrity and the, the character that God placed in my life opened me up to position me to be here right now. That's what it's about. Because you cannot be of low character and, 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 and under shepherd any kind of flock. I don't care if it's, a, it's 200 people, 500 people, 1,000 people, or 50 people, or 20 people, or 10, or 5. Lord is not going to allow anybody with low integrity and low character to do that. So the first thing is make sure that I'm right with the Lord. Second thing is make sure that I'm hearing clearly from the Lord so that there's a clear vision and direction for the church from God. Through me, but from God. It ain't nothing about me. I'm just a cadaver. I'm just a vessel being used. And that people have a clear understanding of what the expectations are from the Lord. Making sure that believers that are saved are growing and maturing. That's the important thing. I don't care about numbers if we're dead. If it's a dead church, it's a dead church. This is just a joke. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's just a country club. It's just a, it's just a club. It's a social gathering. No. That's why I'm so glad that there's a core group of men here that meet every Thursday. You don't got those men. It's nothing against the women because we need the women. Remember, we're equal Separate in function. But I'll tell you right now what the scripture says. If the men are not in alignment under God, it's a dead church. It's a dead church. The men have to assume the authoritative position, just like the husband has to assume the authoritative position as the spiritual leader in his home. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. 
God didn't ask you if you like it. He's telling you through the scripture, I made Adam first and then Eve. That means step up. Stop being this dude who don't want to do anything and get in the game. Get your head in the game, man. (laughs) I'm going off because I just got to go off. (laughs) And the second part is that, that we're reaching out to the community. And, and I, I, again, I'm so glad because it doesn't all rest on me. Everybody has a different function in this part of the body. I can't come up with every idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like last Sunday, that's, that's you know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert at heart. I'm kind of coming out of my shell more. But I'm, I'm like the dude who's like, I just want to chill. Bro, I don't want to be around nobody. <laughs> Let me kick it with me and my family. Go watch football. I'm relaxing. I had a long, and I'll be like, I had a long day. This is my excuse. But... You know, we did something last week that was important. But again, I believe it was a culmination of all the things that we've gone through up to this point, And we've been geared and get ready to be healed and healthy and back in a position where we can be ready to go. Because if you don't have men in the right alignment in ranking and obviously the women, y'all are so solid. <laughs> women are so I don't even got to worry about the women. Women are solid, man. Now, I'm not saying all women. I'm saying the women of this church, Resilient Life Church, are solid. But I'm saying when the men are right, then, okay, the order's right. Now we can go. Now we can get out there and actually engage with these people. But if you ain't got the men in order, okay, what happens when you do get people that come? And then they're like, okay, I don't know nothing about Christ. I need to be a disciple. Well, you can't, y'all can't all come to me. There got to be other men up in here that can disciple people. That can lead people, that can show them, hey man, this is what we understand of the scripture. This is what we understand to be true. Stay away from all this other stuff. But if we don't have that kind of systematic thing broken down here within the framework of the body of Christ here at Resilient Life Church, then we're just playing games. This is a whole, I wouldn't even, this is not even in my notes. But this is what I believe the Lord is showing me and express, wanting me to express to you so you understand where we are at and where we are going and how it should be. The whole point was, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be envious of what someone else is doing. Because I'm going to stay in my lane. And I'm like, Lord, God, help me to be faithful in what you've called me to do. Mm-hmm. I heard a great message this morning. There was a, and, and this is not in my notes either, but I got to share. It. There was a, a man that, that went overseas. And for 40 years, he was in Africa uh, serving as a missionary. And, and um, you know, he came back. And uh, this was, you know, a while ago. So one, one of the older presidents of the United States, they were on the ship from England with him. And when they came to the dock, there was all this fanfare for the president. I can't remember. I might, might have been President Wilson. I'm not sure who exactly it was. But there was all this fanfare. There was like thousands of people that were awaiting the arrival of the president. There was music going on and, and all this hurrah, hurrah. And, 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 and this evangelist, this, 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 this person that went to do overseas ministry for 40 years, there wasn't a single solitary soul that was there to congratulate him and to thank him for what he did for all those years overseas for Jesus Christ. And he got on a train and he boarded and he, I think he might have lived in Ohio and he was going back to Ohio. And he was because in his humanity, he was hurt by that. He's like, man, what the heck? This president, man, and ain't one person. I done put my life on the line. I done blood, sweat, tears for you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm not saying that he had a clutch fist to Christ but, or to Father God. But what I'm saying is he was hurt by that. He was broken by the fact that nobody was there to congratulate him. No one was there to thank him and give him an attaboys. And as he was on that train, he heard the voice of the Lord telling him, you're not home yet. 
you're not home yet. That's a reminder to you and me when we're in the ministry of Christ and we're serving. Don't expect anybody to thank you for what you do. If they do, you're blessed because ain't nobody going to thank you, really. Many times they don't. Your reward and my reward is in heaven. All I want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. Come now and enter into my rest. If I can hear that, that trumps everything. I don't, I don't need to gauge and, and balance and base who I am on what somebody else says about me. That's a word for somebody this morning. That's a word for somebody this morning. The second main point is this. Laziness is wrong. It's flat out wrong. It's not out, just flat out wrong. It's destructive. Laziness is. Everyone suffers when somebody is lazy. Many problems we have in life, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, can be traced back to simple laziness. An example. Think of couples. I don't even know if they're couples. Some of them could be couples. Some of them could just be people that want to hang out and they get together. Okay, I'm not going to get too graphic. Y'all can understand what I'm saying. But people that get together, they want to please themselves physically. All of a sudden, an unwanted pregnancy happens. And then many times the man leaves the mother and the child. Obviously, at the heart of this action is sin. But we're looking specifically at how to identify exactly what that sin is. That sin is selfishness and laziness. The man doesn't want to be bothered stepping up to sire the child that he helped to to bring into this world. Because it takes a whole lot of effort to be a father. And he'll actually have to need to give up his own pursuits in order to provide for another person. That's what it comes down to. Homie's selfish. He wants to do him. And now this is a hindrance because I don't want this kid. I mean, me and you just hooked up. We were cool. We did our thing. (laughs) I got mine. (laughs) I got what I wanted. You wanted it too, but now I'm out. (laughs) Because now you're talking about you pregnant. Now it ain't my child. Remember, was it Maury Povich? You are not the father. (laughs) You are not the father. They ain't going anywhere. They over there like they won the Super Bowl, man. Like they won the lotto. I mean, it's just ridiculous. People losing their minds. There's a demonic spirit running around that stage. That's horrible. The easier thing to do is just to ignore what he did and simply walk away. And I'll be honest, it it can go both ways. It don't don't just have to be the man. It could be the mother. Many times the mother's like, I don't want this child. I got my career. I'm about to go have an abortion. I'm going to Planned Parenthood. Get rid of this baby. And I'm not trying to be insensitive if anybody in here has ever had an abortion. All I'm telling you is this. When we peel back the onion layers, this is what is at the core of why we make decisions like this. Sin and selfishness and laziness. It is selfishness and laziness that keeps people from doing the right thing. And it is wrong and destructive. Even many followers of Jesus Christ suffer for no reason other than being that they are spiritually lazy. They have not developed a disciplined routine to get in God's word daily and fellowship with him throughout the day. Let me ask you a question. What is the root word of disciple? Discipline. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Discipline. And disciples, <laughs> disciples must discipline themselves in the ways of God. You have to do it. 
I can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your brother can't do it for you. Your sister can't do it for you. Your pappy can't do it for you. You got to do it. You got to. And it's not taking you, getting you by yourself by your bootstraps. What I'm saying is you got to have it in you. You got to ask the Lord if you're lazy. Lord, break this spirit of laziness off of me. You ever notice when you want to get in the word, all of a sudden you get sleepy? You know, there's a there's a there's an unclean spirit called sleepiness, right? And laziness. And that's what will happen, man. You're like, I'm trying to I'm about to read first Samuel. And I was, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> I, can't, I done got to I done got to one and a half, one and a half verses. I'm already put the Bible down. I'm already crashed out. <laughs> you know, I like what Napoleon Coffin always said. He said the devil is a lie. Yeah, he is. You see, that means, church, even when you don't feel like loving, loving other people, you must love them. Let's just be honest. It's hard to love people. It's hard to love people with a godly love because it means you're called to act. It ain't just these warm, fuzzy feel. Oh, I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray for you, sister. No, man, it's like I got this situation, man. Come help me, man. <laughs> Come help me out. It's about serving and loving people when we don't feel like loving them. Even when you're tired and you don't want to serve others, you serve them. Asking God to give you a clean heart in doing so. Many people will say, I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to come to church on Sunday. Because the Niners are playing and I got to get, get all the food ready. We're having a big old party. <laughs> I mean, I could be like, it's my birthday. I don't got to be here. But no, it's not my heart because God's changed my heart. There's no other place I'd rather be. I'm in the church, man. I'm with the people because this is what it is. This is what my life consists of. I don't want to be doing anything else. I don't care about that. But many people will say, I don't have enough time. But, But church, this is the truth. The reality is you and I make time for what's important to us. So if we're not getting in God's word daily... Our actions are saying that we actually don't believe he's really that important. It may hurt, but it only hurts for a little bit. (laughs) I know I'm speaking to somebody, man. I know I am. I know I'm preaching and I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm telling the truth because the reality is we all have the same 24 hours in a day. So you can't just say, I I don't No, No, you need to make time. You need to carve it out. So this is the thing. This is the application. So if we're not doing what we need to do, we need to actually figure out what we need to do to rearrange our schedule to give more time to the Lord. Don't you understand, church? If you seek him first, everything else in your life is going to work out exactly the way it's supposed to be perfect. (laughs) Even with all the hiccups and hangups and whatever. But if you put Christ on the back burner... I guarantee you it's not going to go well for you. I guarantee you it's not going to go right. Don't put Christ on the back burner. Put him first. It's an irrefutable spiritual law. It will not change for me, for you, for anyone. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I get so fired up because I love Christ. I couldn't say that 20 years ago. I love him. I love him more than my wife, my kids, anybody. Because he saved me from hell. And now I have eternity in heaven forever in the new Jerusalem with them. 
And it's been revealed to me years ago, I'm going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Somebody told me, man, my, my old, when I was in the drug diversion class, I didn't even know what she was talking about. This old lady said, she had a vision, she didn't even know me. She said, young man, you're going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I said, what are you talking about? That was a prophetic word spoken over me over 15 years ago. That's why I get pumped up. And I am demonstrative. I'm sorry. That's just how I am. I'm just not the, you know, even people like Alistair Begg get hard sometimes. <laughs> I love Alistair Begg, man. I love him preaching. Sometimes he get fired up. But I'm fired up because it's just, you know, I'm rough around the edges. I heard about that too a while ago. It's okay. Be you in Christ. The Lord didn't say change my change, change, change who I am, my personality. But he just said, you better be about me. And that's what I am. <laughs> I'm me, but I'm for Christ. And I see other people in here that you're you for sure. You're you, but you're but you're for Christ. You're not doing the dumb stuff you used to do. Once again, changing our routine is going to take effort and being lazy will never accomplish spending time with God. It just won't. You have to put in the work. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23 says in all toil, there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You don't want to be spirit. You don't want to be spiritually bankrupt because you didn't put the time in. You don't want to go to heaven and be and and get in, but find out everything you built on was stray and stubble and and it burned up and you barely got in. And then you're going to find out, man, the Lord's going to show you, hey, man, I had all this for you. You didn't walk in any of it. That, that, that's got to be so gut-wrenching. And I don't, I don't wish that upon anybody. Well, I'm trying to convey a picture to you. You don't want to be that man or that woman. You want to be the one who goes to heaven and you find out it's like you did everything you were supposed to do. Like, man, okay, Lord, thank you. I knew I, I, knew, I, knew I was feeling you. I knew I was, no, I was on the right track. You know, it's like, get out there, man. Talk to these people. Anybody in your sphere of influence you should be engaging with. Anybody, it don't matter. It don't matter if you're a talker or not a talker. Because every soul that we miss is another opportunity that, that, that Satan has now. Because you didn't speak up. Because you have the truth of life. You have the truth of the gospel. You have the living water in you. You have the bread of life. What are we doing hoarding it? <laughs> to what end? It's such a shame. We can't be like that church. The third main point is this. I'm not even going to get through my main points, man. This happens every week. But I can't. My, my wife probably said, just, boy, you can adapt. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about this. <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a whole other thing. But anyways, the third main point is this. The rich and the poor both must learn contentment. You see, contentment is, is, is truly a characteristic of God. And it's something that, 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 that we, need to, we need to ask for and it needs to kind of be grafted into us. But nonetheless, rich and poor alike must learn to be content. Think of Jesus. He, he's always existed outside of space and time. He's never been born. He didn't have to be born. He's always been alongside the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says all things were created by him and for him, yet he put on human flesh and came to earth to dwell amongst us. This is amazing because when you come to understand some, I'll say some because I clearly don't know half, maybe not even a quarter, maybe not even 5%, but I know a little bit. When you come to understand some of what the glory of God translates to practically in, in our lives, 
It's actually God manifesting himself in the physical to you. It's him manifesting his presence in your life. That's what the glory of God is. That's how we can comprehend it. Example, remember when Moses said, I want to see your face. <laughs> he said, ah, oh, Moses, I love you, my son, but I, you cannot see my face. For if you see my face, you shall die. You can't see me in all my glory and splendor and grandeur and all that I am. I will just, it would incinerate you. It's just too glorious for you. But I'll let you see me. <laughs> Carl Lewis ain't got nothing on God. He said, <laughs> and Moses got to see Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. The whole point is Jesus Christ, the creator God, son of the most high God, savior of the world, humbled himself and he took on the form of a human being of a man. Think of the triumphal entry. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that high holy day. But what was he doing? He was riding on a donkey's colt. He wasn't even riding on a donkey. It was bad enough. He was riding on a donkey. But he, was, he was riding on a donkey's colt. He wasn't on a horse. He wasn't on a Roman horse stature. Stud. You know, I think of, what is that cartoon? That cartoon movie with them three horses, man, that talk and smack all the time. Oh, was it uh, with, the, with the bull? What's the, what, gosh, what's that cartoon, man? My kids are watching all the time. Ferdinand, Ferdinand, them bulls. <laughs> them bulls talking smack or the, the whatever, the, the horses. I think it was horses. He wasn't on a horse like that. He was on a donkey's colt. That was the most humble thing he could have done in that situation. You see, many thought the Messiah would come as a warrior king, not a suffering servant the first time in his first advent. Jesus Christ was content because he was secure within himself. He knew his worth. He was comfortable in his own skin because he knew he was from the Father and he was going back to the Father. That's why we as Christians must learn to do the same. Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do through him all things through him who strengthens me. That, you know, people love to quote that verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But they don't talk about the first part. It ain't about, bro, I'm about to win the football game. That is not what he's talking about. It means I can do everything that's in God's will for me because he strengthens me to do it. Whether I got to walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death or wherever, whether, whether I'm on the mountaintop. That's what it really means. See, we, can, we have to... We have to look at the whole scope of Scripture and not try to chisel it out to fit our liking. That's just a side note, but I just put it out there because I tend to see that a lot. All right, let's look at verses 4 through 6. He says, Then I saw all the toil and all the skill in work come from man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity and a striving after wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Gosh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind for all toil and every skillful work of a man is envied by his neighbor that's not a good thing solomon saw that those who gain success through toil and hard work and how their success brought envy and sometimes even hatred from other people have you ever had someone hate on you because you're doing good. 
Have anybody in here ever had someone be jealous of you because you're succeeding and excelling at something? It's crazy. If you've experienced that, it's crazy. People just hate on you. <laughs> now, I'm not, I'm not going to go put Deion Sanders on a pedestal and praise him. I don't praise no man. But I know that, and he's very demonstrative and, you know, whatever. You, I mean, you could split hairs with how he acts. But, you know, if he is who he professes to be and he's a believing Christian, there are a whole lot of people that hate on that man. They don't want to see him succeed. And they were so happy to see Oregon whoop that butt last week. <laughs> but they only lost by seven points this week. So USC, man, your defense is pretty trash. <laughs> if Colorado came that close to beating you, you know what I mean? And Oregon just stomped a mud hole in you the week before. But anyways, I'm just saying, right? Sometimes people just hate. They just hate. It do successful. I hate that fool. Excuse me, I shouldn't even say that. You shouldn't call nobody a F-O-O-L. But anyways, <laughs> the reality is that that's, but that's how people's hearts are. They just want, they just, they, they don't want to see them succeed. This common jealousy of success made life seem like vanity and grasping for the wind. The definition of envy is this. The noun is a feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, qualities, or luck. The verb is desire to have a quality, possession, or other desirable attribute belonging to someone else. So where does envy come from? Envy comes from comparing. Unhealthy comparing is satanic and has its origins in Satan himself. Remember, Satan is a created being. While he was a good angel, his name was Lucifer. The Bible says the most beautiful of God's created angels He was blessed with the task of playing worship music before Yahweh in the Holy of Holies. It could almost be described as he might have even had like pipe organs built into his frame. He was just a walking orchestra playing the most beautiful of music. This was how he was created. And this was his position. This was his purpose as a created being. But you see, over time, Lucifer grew discontent with his position and status and desire to be greater than the Lord God Almighty himself. He compared himself to God instead of being content in who he was created to be. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 through 14 tells us exactly this. Have how you are fallen from heaven, O Day star, son of dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Is that revealing? (laughs) Comparison comes from the devil. The application is this. And I know we compare, but but, but just peep game on what I'm going to say. Comparison left unchecked leads to envy. It's plain and clear in the first sin of humanity. 
when Eve fell for the lie of Satan, remember, what did he say? Did God really say that you wouldn't die if you eat that forbidden fruit? No. He just knows if you eat of it, you'll know what he knows and you'll be like God. You see, in that moment, Eve was actually envious of Father God. She was not content in how she was created. And so she took the bait and ate the fruit. The irony is she was already like God. Being created in his moral image. Do do you see the deception? She was already made in the likeness of God. But because she came into agreement with the devil and she allowed him to say, well, do you? Then she became, she compared herself instead of knowing, you made me like you. You, I I I have unhindered fellowship with you. You told me I could eat all these watermelons, all these cantaloupe, all these strawberries, all these limes, any man, all these kiwis. I can eat anything. Just don't eat of that one fruit. You eat of that fruit, you surely will die. When when that revelation hit me, that was eye-opening. Church, we need to understand who we are in Christ. Know your identity. Too many of us are running around with an identity crisis. We over here saved by the blood and we got issues. We're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm, Bro, you are a child of the most high. Wake up and know who you are, man. Wake up, know who you are, woman. <laughs> for real, for real. I don't know why we running around like we don't know what's going on. We got, we got the scripture right in front of us. We should be gorging and devouring the word. So it's so ingrained in us that it's like, man, I just, the Holy Spirit is bringing to remembrance scripture. Line upon line. Don't matter what circumstance situation. I mean, I may not be able to tell you the address of the scripture, but I guarantee you it's scripture coming out my mouth because <laughs> it's deep down in my innermost being. But she got deceived. That crafty serpent deceived her. You see, church, the reality is we compare ourselves to others because deep down we're actually really insecure with who we are. Because when you're secure with your identity in Christ, you're not tripping off nobody else. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. I'm tempted all the time to compare this part of the body to someone else in Milpitas or someone else in San Jose or someone else I hear on Lifelines and some crazy wild testimony and the pastor's doing this and they're going overseas and they yada yada. (laughs) But it's like the Lord reminds me, man, your security's in me. You don't need to trip off them. I got them on another mission. They're on your team. Nothing worse than teammates that are envious of each other. It don't make no sense. We're on the same team and we over here fighting each other. Come on now. That's a bit silly, isn't it? <laughs> Example. Oh, you know, they're more successful than me. And so I, I just feel so bad because I'm not, you know, I'm playing my little violin. They're just, they're so much better than me. Or, oh, they went to a more prestigious university. I, you know, I'm still at San Jose City College, and, and they went to Pepperdine. You tripping off that? You tripping off that, man? You in a whole lot of debt. You better pay that off, and don't worry about it. Wherever you get your education, get your education, you know. Or, or, or some, we get, we get boastful. We said, man, that, that, their house ain't as good as mine. You see where my, you see my address, bro? You see where I live in Cupertino? <laughs> 
you over there off Kenyon's story. <laughs> or, man, he ain't as strong as me, bro. You see, you see these six-pack abs, bro. You see I'm, I'm putting up weight. <laughs> I'm putting up weight, man. You can't, man, you can't even do 10 push-ups without, break, without, without taking a breath. Or, you know, she's, she's not as pretty as me. She's not as pretty as me. And the list goes on and on. You see, but once we truly find our identity in Jesus Christ, we, we learn to be content knowing that we are defined by who he says we are and not what the world says we are or not even what our own self say we are. See, many a times you and I are, are our own worst enemies. We give Satan way too much credit. He ain't even in the mix. We over here already shooting ourselves in the foot because we got issues with, 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 with being confident you know, maybe from past hurts, things that generational curses, things that we haven't dealt with, you know, but we got to deal with those things and know who we are in Christ, church. First Peter 2 9 says, but you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It goes back to what I said at the beginning of this message. Either the Bible is a crock. Or what I just read is true, and you and I need to recognize that you're a chosen race, that you're a royal priesthood, that you're a holy nation, that you're a people of his own possession, possession, excuse me, and that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness. If you, have you been called out of darkness into his marvelous light? Then, 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 then rejoice in that. Rejoice in your identity in Christ and find your identity in him and have your peace and, and, and don't compare yourself to other people. And don't let, allow yourself to be envious of those around you. Look at Jesus himself. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. Think about that. He knew he came from the Father. He knew that he had a hardcore task, but he knew where he was going back to. So he was like, you know what? If you don't take this cup from me, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. I'm going to go to the cross because I know I'm going to be back with you. We claim we know where we're going, but yet we run around scared. <laughs> we claim we know where we're going, but yet we won't speak to that dude on the corner because we, we think we don't got time. We need to make time. Just like we need to make time for Christ and Father God in our personal time, we need to make time for people that we come across every day, church. This is something I'm challenged with every day, and I'm growing in it, and I'm getting better at it because I'm allowing the Lord to guide me in it. And maybe, maybe you're already doing a fabulous job. I'm not trying to smash on anyone here. I'm just trying to point out things. So if you are, keep going. If you're like me and you're still growing in that, man, grab a hold of Christ and allow him to lead you on the path that he has for you so that his fame can be proclaimed to everyone around us. Amen? You see, Christ didn't need to prove himself to anyone. He was content with himself because he knew experientially that he was loved by the Father. You see, you and I have to experience it. If you just hear me talking week in and week out, and even if you have scripture memorized, but it's just intellectual, and you haven't experienced the power and the might and the majesty and the love and the compassion and the joy of Christ, then you're not going to take it serious. It's just, it's just, it's just going to be rhetoric to you. There's a lot of Christians out here that it's just rhetoric. They don't have an a real experience of Christ in their lives, loving them. But you see, Christ had this. And this is why he could humble himself in love and wash the disciples' feet. 
Because many people, that's so humiliating. <laughs> Do you know what I just stepped in? We didn't have nice shoes like this back then. <laughs> didn't have no $200 basketball shoes, man. I got some broken down sandals. Got dookie him underneath my big toenail. And you know what I mean? It just was not cool. But he humbled himself. He didn't consider it humiliating or beneath him because he was truly secure in himself so he could actually love with a godly type of love. What about you? 1 Timothy 6, chapter 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. The application is this. Real abundance is not about having more. We live in a society where that's preached day in and day out through written print, through social media, through the television. You cannot walk into a grocery store at Safeway and go through the checkout aisle, even if you go to self-checkout and not see all these magazines blaring, yelling at you. Change this about yourself and you'll be better. Do this, gain more. Look like this and you'll feel better. Hang out with these people and you'll be right. You're being bombarded by every media outlet to tell you, get more, get more, do more, you'll be better. Lose more weight and you'll be feel good. I'm like, bro, you become anorexic and still be depressed. So it ain't about your weight. <laughs> be healthy. I'm not saying be obese and just do whatever you want, right? There's a balance, but you got to live from the inside out. We got to stop living from the external. So many of us are so saturated with the external. We don't even know us on the inside. We don't even know our inner being. And that's why we hear so much chatter in our mind and Satan's having a field day with us because we can't discern what voice is the Holy Spirit, what voice is ours, and what voice is Satan's. It's not about abundance and having more. It's about appreciating what we already have. It's about feeling blessed by the fact that we woke up this morning and that we can breathe and think and our cognitive thoughts are correct. That we actually, we, we have a consciousness. It's about receiving that and, and, and thanking God for that. It's about enjoying the food that we can eat and appreciating the people that we are blessed to have in our lives. Man, if you got family, love them. Every, everybody's family's wonky. Everybody's family got some knuckleheads and got troublemakers and it, and it ain't smooth, but that don't mean you don't love them. You, you take advantage of the fact that God placed people in your lives. Man, love these people. Be a blessing to them. Be blessed by them. We really need to consider what we are giving ourselves over to. What are we directing most of our energy to? Are we taking time to fellowship with God, examining our thoughts and praying? Or are we spending the majority of our time on social media, watching TV, shopping, or, or other non-essential things? I'm not saying that those things are bad, but when, when it's an unhealthy thing. Bro, if I'm, bro if, I'm playing, if I'm playing video games for six hours straight, bro, that's unhealthy. That is not right. You need to nip that thing in the bud and get off that game. I'm just keeping it real. It's just, just from a physiological standpoint, it's not good for your eyes, man. You got to get the right kind of glasses. You got to get the right kind of, you know, screen. This, this screen's hurting my eyes. And I've, you know, I've been up here for a little bit, but I'm saying. <laughs> we got to have balance, church. Again, a disciple is balanced and disciplined. If you and I are serious about being content in Jesus, we must put God first. It's not an option, this is not a if I want to, when I get to it, when I feel like it. No, you are commanded. I am commanded. Put him first. You have to. 
You, if you don't have that kind of militant mindset, man, you, you're going to drown in the Christian life. You're going to have a whack Christian life, man. You're going to be one of those people like, man, you know, it's not really, I'm just, I don't want to I don't want to be that dude who's like, it's 20 years later, I'm still struggling. What? What are you struggling about? Why, why do you not have victory? Because you're not putting in the time. You're not putting in the effort. Put in the effort and man, you'll be blessed. <laughs> you're going to be floating. It's just, it's just and, and it's going to be evident to all the people that you come across because the Holy Spirit's going to be dripping off you. <laughs> and people just going to be getting infected whether they like it or not. The haters going to hate. The people that need salvation are going to love it. <laughs> That's just the truth. And serving the Lord is not boring. It is the most exciting thing you could ever do in your life. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. If we're not doing the right thing, it's going to be evident of what's being outpoured from our heart. And the good thing is this, whenever we're off track, all you got to do is repent, get right with God, asking him to give you a, a clean heart, and then you get back in the game. Goes on to say, the fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. Many times those jealous of success of others are simply just lazy, like fools who fold their hands and do nothing and waste away. Yet it wasn't the success of their neighbor that made them waste away. The foolish, lazy man consumed his own flesh. This, this expression equates to destroying himself, bringing ruin upon oneself. Pro, uh, excuse me, Psalms, Psalm chapter 27, verse 2 says, When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. That's because, you know, David was in the right frame of mind. So it's like, man, you don't even got to worry about your enemies. They're going to all consume each other. The Lord's just going to scatter all your enemies and it's not even going to be a big deal because you're walking in alignment with him. It goes on to say, better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. Again, Solomon reflects on this value of contentment. It's better to have less and be content with quietness than to have more and consistently be grasping for further success. I mean, when you make a lot of money, it's hard to just be humble. You always want more money. I always think of that quote from, um, from Rockefeller. Someone interviewed him and said, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. What do you mean just a little bit more? Bro, you're freaking filthy rich, man. You got, you got generational wealth as far as the world is concerned. But you still need a little bit more because he wasn't content. He was grasping after all this that's all going to fade away. King Tut, look at Moses. He said, man, I'm going to choose to suffer <laughs> with my people that are slaves, but I... I could be the next pharaoh in line. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. King Tut, 100 years later, he took all that gold with him, buried it with him in his tomb. What did, what did it do? They're like, bro, where are you going with all that gold, man? It's still there. They're just digging it up. Now people auctioning it off, putting it in a museum. Like, King Tut didn't do nothing with it. So it's like, it doesn't do you no good. It doesn't mean no good. That's why I'm rocking these Jordans finally, because I'm like, it ain't going to do me no good keeping them in a stinking closet. What am I thinking? It's not like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that's going to resell them for, you know, $1,000. I'm not that dude. So it's like, just wear the dumb shoes. <laughs> <laughs> the application is this. We need to recognize that what we already have is more than enough. Once we appreciate how greatly we have been blessed, we can truly express our thanks to God 
with a grateful heart. We will find our contentment in him and Yahweh will truly be our portion. All right. Two more verses. I won't go that long. I promise. All right. Again, I saw this is verse seven and eight. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has uh, no other either son or brother yet. There is no end to all his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks for whom I am toiling and depriving myself of pleasure. This also is vanity and an unhealthy, unhappy business. Excuse me. Okay, one with without companion. Solomon thought of a man who was alone without any family or without any close friends. Many times you and I, we take for granted the people that God's placed in our lives. We tend to think, oh, they'll just be there forever. And we don't appreciate their presence in our lives. We're like, oh, you know, you've always been there. You're good. You're healthy. <laughs> what about you? Is there someone this week whom you have not been grateful for? A spouse? A sibling? A parent? A friend? You know, I, I go through this all the time. I get so frustrated at times with my kids and, and I just have to realize, and, and I love my wife because we are one flesh, so she always reels me back in. And it's like, they're just kids. They're just children. They're just, they're learning this right now. I, I don't know, sometimes I'm just a mean, I'm just a mean guy. It's like right now I'm nice, but when I'm on that other side, it's like this same intensity, but I'm just rah, barking. And it's like, you know, I, I, I'm trying to learn to just be more gracious to them. It's it coming out of a place of love, but it needs to be tempered the right way, right? And so I share that to, to, to share that what I'm telling you, I haven't mastered this. I'm not standing up here like, like my stuff don't stink. I'm standing up here telling you I'm in agreement with all of this, that I need this in my life every day more and more so that I can be more like Jesus myself. Be grateful for every day that you get to share life with those you love, because one day, either they or you will be gone. Again, he says, yet there is, no, uh, there is no end to all his labor. Speaking of the person that's just going after wealth, nor his eyes are ever satisfied with riches. The man in Solomon's thinking works hard and wants to gain more and more. <laughs> I think Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, he cared for all his riches, but he cared little for people. He didn't care about Tiny, Tiny Tim. <laughs> he didn't care about the people. He, he, he was really empty inside. He had many coins to count, but he had no one to share them with. And that's such a sad thing. You know, think, I think of King Midas, you know, that, that, that little tale. It's like, yeah, I turned everything to gold. The Disney cartoon's so funny. He turned everything to gold. He tried to eat his dinner. Ah, I can't eat it. It's gold. What's going on, man? I can't drink. It's gold. He was so consumed with material wealth. He was so infatuated with having more and more and more that it killed him. That's what happens to people every day in this world. They want it so bad. Why do you think there's so many people in Hollywood that are on drugs and commit suicide and they hate their lives? They won't come out and say it, but they are living a lie and living an illusion and they're really not happy. They're really not filled with joy, even though their faces are plastered over every television screen on every website. They got a billion views. <laughs> But they're not happy. That's not where it's at, church. It's not about that stuff. Praise God if you call, you're called to do that and you're, you're bringing the gospel. I'm not knocking people. But what I'm saying is chasing after worldly satisfaction will never satisfy. 
last portion, and uh, Isaiah and Michelle can come up because I'm, I'm closing it right now. He says, but he never asked, for whom do I toil and deprive myself all this good? Solomon came to realize a life of hard work and success without family and friends to share with in the end is, is a grave misfortune and vanity. The application is this. If you live only for this life, then there is no such thing as an eternal accomplishment. And you don't even have the potential satisfaction of passing your accomplishments on to another. What a shame it is for people to choose earthly riches over people. They work themselves to death in order to obtain more. But in their pursuit of what they think will bring them happiness, they ultimately end up pushing away the very God who alone can give them true everlasting riches. You see, the Bible has something clear to say about a righteous person and what they leave behind for their successive generations. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Hear me, church. Though this verse is speaking on monetary wealth, there is a definite spiritual aspect to this. There is no greater inheritance than God himself. He is our victory. He is our fullness of joy. He is our peace. He is our contentment. He is our satisfaction. Life consists not in the abundance of material things that we obtain. Real life is found in Yeshua, the Holy Spirit and Father God. Amen? Let's pray. Abba, we just thank you that you desire fellowship with us and that there's nothing that can ever separate us from your love. Not even death itself. We'll, we'll die and we'll leave these physical shells, but we're going to be with you. Lord, I, 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 just, I just thank you for the opportunity to know you. I pray that your anointing would fall upon your people and there would be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in such a way that they would just be on fire for you. That all their affairs would be put in order and you would be at the top of the list, never to be toppled. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your mercy and your grace. It's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. Amen.